welcome to From the Rookerind. Chipper John here, but not very chipper today. Watford lost, of course, 2 0 away at Luton Town. Hey, you know what? I'm gonna, I am going to get a bit chipper. 4 um, 2 on aggregate, you Luton fans. Yes, we won 4 2 on aggregate this season. But basically, this podcast is, is, was never going to be a deep analysis of this game. We gave the job of this podcast to Kieran, uh, who, who you've heard before on the podcast. Kieran, the women's football expert, uh, written a book about it, worked for the FA uh, for it. But he, he's a true Watford fan and, and he is the sort of uh, the main person who you'll hear throughout the podcast, along with the one, the only, Brigadier Colin Mace, who you heard in our last podcast. They followed Watford to the kennel. Uh, and this is the story of their day. It, it, you know the score. Who cares? But actually, well, who, we all care. But you know what I mean? There's more to care about. There's more to deal with. And we will deal with those in the future podcasts. So this is the story of their day. Uh, Colin, Kieran, uh, Lily and Florence. Uh, what what happened, as you probably saw, uh, if you weren't there. And also, well, yeah, you know. Thank you very much for listening to From the Rookwind. Uh, and this is... Uh, this is the day of Watford fans as they go to Kenilworth Road. So this is it. It's eight o'clock in the morning. I've just dragged myself out of bed, uh, trying to get two teenage daughters out of bed at eight in the morning on a Saturday. Not the easiest. But today is the day, the day of judgment, the most important day in the calendar for any Watford fan. And uh, we are going. We're going to get in the car, drive uh, to the ground and then get our coach uh, along with about 900 other Watford fans. I think there's 17 coaches. And as I said on the podcast in the middle of the week, this isn't about promotion. This isn't about will we get these points and if we do, can we get into the top six? Uh, for the last number of many seasons, we've all just thought about promotion and avoiding relegation. All that stuff that's surrounded football at the, uh, these days. But today, there's none of that. It's not about that. Today, it is simply about one thing. It's about playing our fiercest rivals in their horrible little ground, making as much noise as possible and being one thing only. One thing only for one day only. Pure Watford fan. Morning, everyone. Just uh, leaving my place in central Watford to head to Vicarage Road. Um, First time I've been on the podcast in a few years, so really nice to be back. And a real privilege to be back on for what is, well, probably one of two of our biggest games of the season as we face Luton Town today up at the kennel. So I'm just on my way to Vicarage Road to go and meet Colin and his daughters Flo and Lily, who I'm sure you've heard on the podcast in the past. One that I'm actually really looking forward to because it's my first trip to Kenilworth Road. I'm certainly old enough to remember... 4-0 win back in the late 90s. I was a teenager and certainly one that uh, lives fond in the memory but wasn't there. And obviously uh, the last trip, which we don't like to talk about, was behind closed doors. So first opportunity that Watford fans have had to go to Kenilworth Road since 2006. Certainly a special one. Listen to the podcast that the lads did in the lead up to the game and heard Colin's rallying call for supporters to wear yellow. Uh, So I actually have, for the first time in a while, because I must confess I'm not one for wearing colours that often, I do have my dad's yellow and black scarf on. Now I know that listeners will 
no doubt remember or recall that during the pandemic, sadly, I lost my old man to COVID. So it's actually the first time that I've worn his scarf to a game. So I'm hoping that bringing a, a bit of a bit of a memory from him, or memory of him along, will stand us in good stead. Um, I know Colin's done a podcast in the past about the importance of family. And obviously I know it's a big thing for him to have Flo and Lily with him today. So yeah, just wanted to, I guess, bring bring a memory of my old man along with me. He certainly would not have come today. Absolutely transparent in saying he was a bit of a fair, fair weather fan. Certainly catch him at Vicarage Road and love going with him there. But this one wouldn't have been for him. So definitely one I'm looking forward to attending with Colin and his family. Hopefully some updates through the day. Hoping to chat to some fans as well. Um, so we'll uh, bring you more a little bit later. Come on, you warns. Uh, so we've arrived at the multi-storey car park at the back of the stadium. We're all feeling quite tired and emotional after our night, Friday nights, but we're in the car. So, girls, how are we feeling about going to Luton? Very excited. Give us a cheer, girls. Come on. So I've been uh, reunited with Kieran, who's sitting next to me on a very raucous bus. We're upstairs on a double-decker bus, which is, um, which is completely covered with Harry Potter. It's not, not just any bus. We are on the Harry Potter bus, Colin, that takes, that takes uh, tourists from Watford Junction yeah, to, to the Warner Brothers yeah. Studios. Anyway, everyone's getting very, very excited, even though it's an early start. We've now been sitting on this coach for nearly 40 minutes. Um, we've all got our tickets, so it's happening. It's happening. I hope you've got my tickets. I have. Yeah. I have. And how are you feeling, Kieran? Yeah, I, I, I did a little bit of uh, audio on the walk from here to the ground and, and sort of said how excited I was. Obviously, my first trip to Kenilworth Road. I remember not sure how much audio we're going to be able to get because it's like this all the way through. Carl, we obviously. Uh, Got interrupted by the raucous bus that we're on. Um, we were talking about it's my first experience uh, at Kenilworth Road, but it's not yours. What, no. can, what can I expect as a first-time visitor to Kenilworth Road? Um, well, obviously not been there for a long time, but um, the last time I went there, I went with Julia before we were married, which is insane when I think about it. Um, and uh, it's just very febrile. It is. A, I think it's because of the size of the ground. It feels more intense at their place than it does at ours. And even somewhere like the big famous derbies, we're in these enormous stadiums now, and you don't get that kind of close contact. Uh, I was just talking to Chris, and he was saying that you know, when in the old days, in the away end, if you were in the right-hand corner, you could basically reach out and touch Luton fans. So there's like a little barrier of policemen, and it, so it's going to be loud. It's going to be loud. It's going to be horrible. It's going to be glorious. I was listening to the podcast that you guys did in the build-up. I think it was Stu Hutchinson was saying, you cannot even describe it to someone until you actually get there. Was he pretty accurate in that? I think so, yeah. I think, and also because it's been such a long time and because they've got our ex-manager and because we beat them 4-0 earlier in the season, I think the atmosphere will be absolutely at 100% max. How are you feeling about it? Obviously, I know it's been a long time since you've been to Kenilworth Road, but in the context of the season, what this match means. How did you wake, When you woke up this morning, what was your first feeling in your stomach? Um, I drank too much beer last night. That was my first feeling. Uh, and then I looked at both my daughters and they looked the same. But anyway, we're here. Um, my first, I mean, I, as I said, uh, I, for me, it's, it's a one-off. It's, it's a game in a bubble. I couldn't care less about uh, the context of it in terms of whether the three points will help us get nearer to the playoffs or, 
or whether we can stop them getting it's just, it's just a one-off game in a bubble where you just want to win absolutely more than anything it doesn't matter what happens afterwards before it's all about the moment is there more riding on this not just because it's Luton but because of the wider context playoff picture everything that it could mean going into the sort of business end of the season well I, I suppose you could argue that but I'm not really thinking about that today I'm just thinking about beating the scum <laughs> come on Okay, so we're now on the M1 on our way to the kennel. And as I mentioned on my way over, um, now with Colin and I'm also with his daughters Flo and Lily. And much like myself, it's their first visit to Kenilworth Road as well. Flo, Colin told me that you have travelled down from university specially for this, which is a long old schlep because you go to uni in Scotland. So that is how much you're buzzing for this one, isn't it? That's, that's, that's how far my commitment goes. Like I had to be here, home and away for like seven years now. And I had to come. So I came back early, like for Easter, but I came back earlier to make sure I was here on the 1st of April. Yeah, there's an irony with this game being on April Fool's Day. Lily, what has, uh, what has your dad said to you about what to expect today? Um, well, he's told me to expect a scrap and I'm ready. Flo's <laughs> got her big rings on, so uh, her knuckle dusters on. I have, uh, just, just, for, just for the listeners, Flo has some enormous rings on. They're completely innocent, but um, yeah, you've come, you've come prepared, haven't you? I've come prepared. It's, you know, there's no second agenda. It's just, it's just, just who you are. You can't be kicker, but you know, it's there for backup. You can't be too safe. Exactly. Can I, can I ask, your dad has spoken in the past on the podcast about the importance of coming to games with you guys what does it mean for you to kind of come as a family together obviously there's needle in this game it's our rivals but does it mean more that you come in come in as a family um i think that like because we're all much older now and a lot busier like we don't always get to hang out with each other so it's nice to have like a moment where we always see each other and like bond and have something like to connect to each other with i don't think that either of our relationship with our dad obviously we'd always had a great relationship but the way that like it was those like young teenage years I feel like kids often kind of push away their parents you're going week in week out with your dad spending a whole Saturday with him it completely like made our relationship what it is now which is a lot closer than I think it might have been your do your mates who maybe don't follow up do they get why you're so passionate and why you're uh, why you're coming today and why you're so buzzing for it I, <laughs> everyone's gone to, I said oh I'm going to Luton tomorrow and everyone went why yeah. I don't think people really get it especially because it's not Arsenal. we're living in North London Arsenal so they obviously want to win the cup or whatever people don't really get if you why you would support club that doesn't really win any trophies but obviously I don't think that's what it's about because in like days like this is what it's about not winning anything yeah I'd rather support Watford and go to games every week than support us and never visit the stadium absolutely couldn't agree more and obviously we've got the hilarity of being transported on the Harry Potter bus is it going to be a magical day for us let's Let's hope so let's hope so
possibility of attending a derby with Luton is now becoming very real. Uh, all the buses, 17 coaches, Colin tells me today. Um, we're just about a couple of miles outside Kenilworth Road and uh, all the buses have been pulled over with police talking to a number of the drivers. There's a couple of buses that have gone on ahead, but we've been stood stationary for about 15 minutes. Uh, I can see two police motorbikes in front of us and uh, we're just waiting to move on. So uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll update as and when we get to the ground. But at the moment, it doesn't seem that we're going anywhere. So Kieran, we're now in the ground. We've had a police escort through the whole of, uh, of Luton from the, from the motorway. Quite exciting, I thought. Yeah, it was. We've literally been dropped right outside the away entrance, haven't we? There was not even a walk No, at they've all. cleared all the cars from the street and they've barricaded both ends so that no one can get to anyone, which I think is, is a good thing. Um, I wouldn't have fancied walking here from the station, would you? No, not at all. I think uh, we saw a few, few fans kind of walking, didn't we, from Luton and um, yeah. not sure we really want to encounter that. So. No well organised but uh, yeah it's different certainly the, the most uh, unique way that I've travelled to an away game before. Yeah. as Lily said it was like an armada she said it was like we looked out the back window of coach three and we could see 14 coaches behind us and uh, it was a bit like an armada coming behind enemy lines it was it taking was. on the opposition and uh, we're getting ready for the game now we are we are and the team the team's just in so I will I will take the mic off of you because it's usually you that's very good at kind of observing and, and breaking down the, the lineup. So it's Daniel Batman in goal, Porteous Kafkar, Hoot and Gakias Semmer, Chowdhury, Loser, Kone, Davis and Joao Pedro. Bench, Ben Hamer, Cabaselli, Joao Ferreira, Lawrence Bakuna, Leandro Bakuna, uh, Yasir Aspria, Britta Sambalonga and Ishmaela Saar. Yeah, I'm so quite surprised actually he's gone to a, a sort of three slash five at the back. I'm assuming that Semmer will be a wing back. And then Gakir on the other side, and Cathcart uh, and Hoot and Porteous playing as a three. And then you've got Chowdhury and Loser and Pedro, and you've got Davis up front. Yeah, looks that way, doesn't it? And I know that, I think someone said on the bus that, and I haven't had a chance to look at it, I think Keenan Davis has got quite a good goal scoring record against Luton, someone said. Apparently he has, I, I haven't looked, I haven't, <laughs> I done, I haven't done a deep dive. I don't, into, care. Into I, don't care who, I don't care who scores today, whether it's Keenan Davis or... If it's Jeremy and Gakia scoring a blinder, which he nearly did a few weeks ago, didn't he? But yeah. um, now that I'm in the ground, it's uh, it's, it's definitely different. But um, I'm absolutely buzzing now, and, and the atmosphere on the bus was great. Um, really expecting a, a, a really loud away end, but I'm sure they're going to be loud as well, aren't they? I think so. I think it's all it's, it's a lull before the storm, Kieran. That's what I think. Um, but um, I'm quite nervous as well. I'm suddenly quite nervous. I just really, really want us to win. And just be nice to get an early goal, settle everyone down, get a couple of their players sent off, beat them 6 0, and get back on the coach. What One, do you think? Wonderful. I'd absolutely <laughs> take that. Absolutely take it.
Ryan Porteous and at 44 is Wesley Hoden. The substitutes for Watford 13, Jao Ferreira. 18, Yasser Asprilla. 23, Ismail Assar. 25, Leandro Bakuna. 26, Ben Hamer. 27, Christian Cabasse. And 34, Brett Asimilova. Colin, we've just watched a Luton fan and a former Luton goalkeeper coach roll a ball into a target on the pitch at half-time and the Luton fan has hit the target three more times than we have in that first half <laughs> because it currently reads Luton 1, Watford 0 at half-time and um, we haven't had a shot on target, no real shot of any no and it's not been a great first half for us, has it? No, no it has not and if it wasn't for Hoot and um, Portius and Backman I think we'd be maybe two or even three down. They moved the ball nicely and their tempo is much higher than us. I think you said that during the first half. But the real problem for us is that we're not brave enough as a team. So when we win the ball, everyone's behind the ball. So if Loser gets it in the middle or Kone gets it or Chowdhury wins it, there's no forward pass. The wing-backs aren't far enough up the pitch. So it's a, a point of wing-backs. So we've got no way to get the ball forward in numbers. We're not getting players forward in numbers because we're, we're sitting too deep. I don't suppose you can hear that way. So we're sitting too deep when, and we don't, when we do win the ball, we've got no one to pass it forward to. So we either pass it sideways or backwards because there is nobody up, up front except for Davis and then they chip it to him and he's got three men around him. So at the moment, our players, you know, we've got good players, but they're just not playing and there's no pattern of play. They just worry and they sit deep and then loser gets it, passes it sideways to Kone, passes it back to Chowdhury, passes it six feet forward. No one's going. No one's going into the opposite half. And Gakia isn't. Uh, Semmer is not a wing-back. We know that. He shouldn't be playing at wing-back. So he doesn't know which bit of the pitch he's supposed to be on. Is he supposed to come back? Then Chowdhury drops in and we've, cut, we've effectively got a back six. And that's not working. Based on that, what would you like to see Chris Wilder do for the second half? I think what I'd like to see is, to, is that we go to a back four. And maybe that does mean that Cathcart has to play at right-back. It's very difficult because we don't really have the players to turn it into a back four. Into a back four. Uh, it's very difficult, but at the moment, the two, the two midfield players, Loser and Kone, aren't doing enough to help us get the ball forward. And, and that's really the problem. So maybe we need to bring on Saar, possibly Ferreira, uh, and, and actually create some threat. Because at the moment, we're not, we're not troubling them. We haven't, we've hardly laid a glove on them. They've got control of the ball, they've got control of the tempo, and, and we're just backing up and backing up and backing up. But we are still in the game. It's only 1-0, and uh, but Chris Wilder's got to do something, because at the moment, there's, all, there's lots of lovely pieces in the jigsaw, but they're just not fitting together. Couldn't agree more. Uh, we're uh, probably a few minutes away from second half starting. Um, needs to be better, because it couldn't be uh, much worse than the first half. I say that very hesitantly. Um, but Colin and I will... Uh, We'll certainly be back. Win, lose or draw, we will evaluate and review the game. We but, don't really um, have a very good record when we do a podcast together, Kieran. Do you remember Palace away? I do, I do. That one wasn't great either, but 
Fingers crossed. Come on, you horns. So, Kira, we, we, we're seeing a double substitution. Saar has come on uh, for Hoot and uh, Ferreira has come on from Angakia. Who's playing left back? Well, that's what we're trying to figure out at the moment, isn't it? There was literally straight after the subs, Luton had an opportunity which Danny Backman had to, uh, had to get down low and make a save. So, <laughs> based on that, it didn't look like anyone was playing left back. So, we're still trying to figure that out, aren't we? We'll see in a few minutes, but hopefully, um, we've started the second half a bit better, higher tempo, we've had a couple of decent chances, a header from Angakia. Uh, a nice move which led to Pedro getting a chance. Couldn't quite get his foot on it, but we're, we're looking a bit better. Well, we've had a shot on target as well. Everyone losing from 25 yards. Trickled through to the goalkeeper, but it, it uh, got the crowd up a little bit, didn't it? But uh, much better start to the second half. What we got left about 25 minutes. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, next, next goal's crucial, really. So here we are on the coach. We're um, we've lost two nil. Uh, it's all been quite painless and easy going. The uh, the actual getting there and the, and the getting away. We're now back on the motorway. But um, just talk a little bit about how you're feeling at the end of that. Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, there's not really <laughs> there's not really much I can say. It's incredibly deflating. I mean, I've been very open throughout the whole day that this was my first experience of Kenilworth Road. I know it's the first experience for for Flo and for, for Lily as well. And, you know, you want to you wanna come and, and look, we said before we got on the bus, if you lose and you put in a performance, there's something to cling on to. But there wasn't really much to cling on to, was there? The second half started better than the first. But actually, I think there's a message in our WhatsApp group, isn't there? XG of 0.06. We just never, ever looked like scoring, did we? No, not really. I mean, we had one half chance when... Uh, Jao Pedro got in the box and passed, you know, ran past three players. There was another one where we actually had created quite a nice move and it came to him, but it was behind him and he couldn't get his foot around it. But you know, you're, you're talking about scraps, you know, like tiny, weeny scraps. Um, it seems to me that uh, the problem is very deep seated, as uh, my friend Phil was saying at half time. You know, all these coaches can't be bad. They're not bad coaches, but they come to Watford and they don't seem to be able to to achieve anything to get the players going to have a system to have, create an identity partly because they're not there long enough maybe I don't know but I don't think it's to do with the coach and I don't think it's really to do with the players lots of those players are really good players um, you know we know that but there's no there's no sort of sense of team there's no plan there's no pattern of play and in the end we just look so disjointed and we get pressed really easily we start making bad choices bad passes giving the ball away in dangerous areas we just gave them so much confidence because of the way we were playing. We never really laid a glove on them. So that is a that's. I don't know where that problem lies. I know a lot of people will say, "Well, it's all about the Potsos and they sat too many managers." And but it just must be such a difficult place to work because these coaches come in with good track records, and it doesn't. Uh, was it you just said? You, I think you just said it's not a Billich team. It's not a Wilder team. It, it's not an Edwards team. It's just. It's, it's just. 11 players you know yeah, there's it just no feel, it just feels like 11 players where, where there's no identity isn't it and I think I put it in our in our group um, when Antonio Conte at Spurs had his rant about you know there's this kind of he he kind of described it as this culture at Tottenham where they're almost afraid 
to win or they're, they're sort of they're not up for the fight and, and I put in our group that you could almost apply to some of what he said to our club because I, I don't think it really matters at this stage I don't think it matters who the head coach or what the football club is it just feels like it's going to be the same style of play and the same results because we've seen three managers this season and looking at today I didn't see a huge amount of difference to the Billich team that we had and I and, and when we were watching Slav and Billich's team I didn't feel there was a huge amount of difference to Rob Edwards and I know that there's a lot of people obviously we've been beaten by a Rob Edwards team today a team that was I think you said it when we were coming out well coached pressed us really high high tempo especially in that first half there's always that sort of part of you that thinks if he'd been given that time and I, I definitely and I'm very transparent I was one of these people that said regardless of how we do this season we need some stability we need a coach that is able to be given the time to enforce their ideas to get their style of play ingrained in the players and that continuous turnover that we continue to see I, I don't know when we're going to see that yeah, it's very difficult to know, isn't it? Because uh, as we talked a little bit about it on the on the pre-match podcast about how fans particularly associate themselves with a coach, he, even when things you know that helps you through the bad times. You know, we all grew up with Graham Taylor. Graham Taylor was the club for us. He was the he was the the person that we looked to, and as did the players. But if you just have a series of hired hands who turn up who are basically trying to coach the club while standing on quicksand. They've got, they've got no chance of creating that connection between the coach and the fans. You've got, the players are like, well, you're here now, but you know, you'll be gone. You know, Saar, I think, has had 11 coaches in the, in the four and a half, five years he's been here. That's impossible. How does a player improve? How can a player develop? How can you develop a squad identity? How can you develop patterns of play if every three months you, there's a new fella? Yeah, who's, who's basically got the same ideas as the one before yeah. and it's not it's not rocket it's not like rocket science football is ta- there's tactics and there's you know but in the end it's it's the same game and as you say and I think you absolutely put your your finger right on it you hit the nail on the head you might say the, the, the three managers the teams of the three managers we've had don't don't look any different when we came out of uh, the, the Watford Swansea game under Edwards we were very dispirited by the by what we, how how we played how poor we were it's no different from today. It's exactly the same performance. So something's, something very profound has got to change. And I don't know what that... Well, I mean, everyone knows the only thing that can really change, I suppose, is that the club go, comes in under new ownership. Well, there's a massive change of attitude from our current owners to building a, a, a team rather than constantly trying to fight fires in crisis and changing the coach because it's the only thing they can do. And it's not working. And it hasn't worked really for the last three years since the you know the Kike comeback and then Pearson and then sacking him and then you know another three coaches the next door two coaches Ivic and then Munoz I mean you know we've forgotten half of the coaches we've had because they weren't they weren't there long enough and then we had three last uh, three or four I guess last year and then we had three more this year it's, it's absolutely insane it's no way to run a football club it's, it's really hard on us as fans I think it's hard on the players and it, it's just it, 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 we're, we're just heading in completely the wrong direction that's what it feels like yeah and, and I think look it's, it's very easy for, for people to, to you know to say the goal is the Premier League but you need you need a plan and you need something in place that's going to help you achieve that and obviously there's a lot of talk at the moment and obviously I've listened to previous podcasts about the, the suggestion that Gino may meet with supporters and, and answer questions and, and for me the biggest question that I've got is 
what do you want? What What is your plan? What is You can't just say, we want to be in the Premier League because you need a plan and a strategy to, to get there. And then once you get there, you need to try and stay there. And we did that for five years. And, and I think we can both agree that during that time, we had, a, we had an amazing period, FA Cup final. So I, I'm not willing to kind of completely dismiss everything that's been achieved under them. But it does feel at the moment that it's just going through the motions. As soon as things start to get a little bit a little bit bad or things aren't working out how they want the solution seems to be sack the manager and, and as you said it gets to a point where that's not the answer and I, I genuinely don't know what the identity of the club is at the moment I think we you know Mike I think said it on a previous pod there's still amazing work going on off the pitch the trust and lots of good stuff that, and, and we still still seem to be able to unearth some some good stuff I mean you know, let's focus on the positive. Jal Pedro was was a shining light today. He was cut above, I would say, pretty much all the players on the pitch. But he can't do it on his own. Um, I think Ryan Porteous has been a good signing as well. I think he's settled in really well. So we still seem to be able to unearth these players and, and sign some some pretty decent individuals, especially for this level. But it's it's a wider problem at the moment, isn't it? It's not just what's going on on the pitch. It's it does feel like there's there's something that needs to be really investigated a lot a lot more wider than, than where we're at at the moment and on that rather gloomy note on we our did coach we did 4-2 on aggregate though let's, let's end on a positive we won 4-2 on aggregate over the season we won 4-2 on aggregate sadly uh, we were beaten by the better team we certainly didn't deserve anything from that performance and here we are heading back to Hertfordshire uh, with our tails slightly between our legs but, you know, there's always another day in football and that's, uh, that's the way we've got to look at it. Change will come. If you want to enjoy the, the high points, the cup semi-finals and finals and beating Liverpool and all that, you've got to put up with some of the lows as well. And the, this, is, this feels to me like a really low low. And, and I don't think that it's like a turning point that somehow we're going to transform the team or the club off the back of this defeat. It feels like we're just stumbling around like a bloke going home from the pub on a Friday night. Uh, not quite knowing where where their keys are or what house they live in, and it really does feel like that. And I, and I don't I don't feel particularly optimistic about how it's going to be turned around or what what the solutions are. But obviously, I've never worked in football. I've never managed a club. I've never owned a, you know a multi million pound business. But for us as fans, this is a painful day because the performance was so abject, uh, and not just the loss itself. You know, we we move on to the to the next set of fixtures, and, and let's hope that. You know, we see a response. I think that's ultimately the one thing we want, right? When you see a performance like that, you need a response. You need the players to really show that. And I hate to use this word, that they care, um, because we we as fans care deeply. Um, and and today, I wouldn't go as far to say we've been let down. I, I don't I don't like to sort of go as far as that, but we haven't been given a performance that what was it, 900 to 1,000 Watford fans who've had to go to Vicarage Road to travel on the bus to, to get to the game. They've not been rewarded in any way um, because we've not seen a performance that... I don't think we've not seen a derby performance. We've not seen a performance that really uh, highlights that rivalry between the two. Luton were well on top of us. They played like the team and knew what, what this means to fans. And, and I don't think we've got that from our players today. Thank you for listening to this uh, podcast. Uh, I hope Kieran and I have been able to bring a little of the excitement and atmosphere uh, before the game. 
and uh, now we've got to swim through the disappointment on our way home. But um, yeah, 